You're listening to Agile Next, the next generation Agile talk show. I'm Daniel Gulo. And I'm Stephen Forte. Each week, we ask industry leaders to share their past experiences with Agile practices and to provide their insights into where Agile is heading to next. The show is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and by visiting our website at www.agilenext.tv. This episode is brought to you by Applebrook Consulting and Fresco Capital. Whatever your Agile needs, Applebrook Consulting can help with training and coaching. Visit our website at www.apple-brook.com. Fresco Capital is a global venture capital firm focusing on entrepreneurs building global businesses. Visit our website at fresco.vc. Episode 30, January 5th, 2017. So today on our show, we have Susie Shokova, who's an agile coach and trainer from Czech Republic. Susie was the co-chair of the Scrum Gathering in Prague. She's very involved in the agile community in Prague. And she's also working on an agile conference coming up in Prague as well. She's written a book, and she's also a frequent speaker at many events around the world. So, Susie, welcome to the show. Thank you. You have come out with a book that is entitled The Great Scrum Master, hashtag Scrum Master Way, and you've given us a copy, which is the first gift we've ever received from a guest on the show, so we're going we're gonna to frame this. Can you tell us a little bit about this book and the thesis? Right, so I uh, wrote this book because um, I just have a feeling, strong feeling, that the Scrum Masters are missing something. They don't understand how to be awesome Scrum Masters, they are struggling. So all those people who have been coming to my certified Scrum Master classes, they thought, okay, we understand Scrum, but we don't know how to solve this. We don't know how to solve that. We don't know what to do with this. What shall we do if this happens? Etc. And, um, you know, teaching many of those classes, you find out they are struggling with the same problems in each organization after all. It's like how to solve the conflicts, how to build a great team, and how to be a Scrum Master. What does it really mean? And so um, the story started, I started to tell them, well, you know, as a Scrum Master, you are not an assistant. You're not an assistant of a team. You should be something more. You should be coaching, doing the facilitation, and you should be really building the awesome teams, the great, um, you know, high-performing teams, as some of the other methodologies call those teams. That's what is Scrum about. And plus, the Scrum Master Way concept was my kind of answer of those questions when I tried to introduce, okay, the goal of a Scrum Master is to build a team self-organized. So they asked, what shall I do when the team is self-organized? So will I make myself redundant? So I say, no, you don't. You know, there are three levels and there's the Scrum Master Way concept. One level is like my team, you focus on those practices, etc., make the team familiar with Scrum and so on. Then there is another level which says, okay, let's have a look at the relationships with your teams. So look at your the team relationship with your manager, the team relationship with your product owner, with some other teams. It could be either the marketing team, deployment team, it could be the customers as well. And try to improve those. And again, use teaching, coaching, facilitation, removing impediments. You need all those, again, at a different level. And then finally, when you are pretty much done here, you can move to the third level, which is called entire system. And 
for this one, you have to look at it from the system perspective to your whole organization from a top. And it's like you can imagine it standing in an observation tower very high, seeing your organization from a top. And you see all these system things like patterns. Oh, that's what we do in our organization. And at this time, together with some other Scrum Masters, you should be already finally able to help the organization as a whole to improve, to embrace self-organization and to become true agile organization. So that's pretty much all about it. So I'm, I've been explaining it like one class after another, and I got a great feedback of that explanation and that piece of training. So I was thinking I should just help the other people, the people who accidentally didn't end up at my training, the people who don't want to go to any training. So I just want to spread it around and make it publicly accessible. And I've always felt that uh, Scrum was not super prescriptive. Scrum doesn't give us a ton of rules and things. So it leaves a lot up for interpretation, which I think is great because it lets the methodology evolve. And what I find interesting is something that Daniel and I have observed over doing these podcasts is that a lot of the guests are talking about the Agile organization and, and, and you've brought it up too. So in, I'd like to just dive a little deeper on that is what is your view of an Agile organization? Is, is If you walked into Organization X and they asked you, hey, Susie, are we, are we an Agile organization? Um, you know, what, how would you approach that problem? How would you approach that question? Well, if they give me this question and ask me, okay, can you just walk around for a couple of days, two days, one day, depending on the size of the organization and observe and tell us how agile we are. Well, agile in the, you know, apostrophes kind of. Then um, I would just have a look to different teams, have a conversation with different product owners, scrum masters, managers, just observe pretty much how they do things. And I'm always looking for some ownership, something which goes, some initiatives which goes from the bottom up, some communities which do something. And, you know, if you go, I'll give you an example, if you go to the team, at a team level only, and you ask them any stupid question which just came to your mind, any remark like, oh, I'm just looking at your board and it doesn't really seem to me like you know, good visualization and see what happened. If you have a just okay team, which seems to be okay on the first look, you know, they do some stand-up retrospective, they don't have any problems, at least as far as they say, the reaction is always like, oh, hi there, you've been here like only five minutes and you are now telling us that this is not a good board. You should go away. We don't want you. We are self-organized team and we don't want you to comment. Very good. Yeah. If you go to the great team, their reaction is always like, oh, interesting. Tell us more. Well, actually, we like this board, but, you know, maybe we are missing something. Explain us. Why do you think? Etc. Because they kind of take ownership for that board because it's their decision. In both cases, it's their decision. But in the other one, with the great team, they always like say, well, you know, we can be always better. So please tell us, you might have different experiences. So those kind of tiny things you can repeat across the organization. There's a fast test, which I use. It's kind of um, easy, therefore I love it. You don't really need to be there long and you find it out. And 
also I'm looking for um, like Christopher Avery has a wonderful concept about responsibility. So uh, I'm looking for at which level of responsibility they are. So if they are at denial, then okay, we knew that's well, that's not an agile organization, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I'm looking for transparency and open communication. So if they, you know, have a good relationship with their manager, if they trust the product owner, again, the very first simple check is: Are your product owners at retrospective or not? Well. Oh, they are not because they are from the business and we don't trust the business. Well, you know, that's not an agile organization then, et cetera, et cetera. So. I feel that what you described mm-hmm. with the second, with the first board and the second board, right? It, it, it resonated very well with me because um, the second team understood a Kaizen event. Yeah. We're going to come in and, and, and the first team didn't. And I actually feel that Scrum ignores Kaizen. I mean, they have a retrospective. It's but they in the retrospective, no... right? Right. So it's, but it doesn't tell you, like, where, where Kaizen is actually more prescriptive and maybe being more prescriptive forces people to do it. Well, the whole fact that you have a Scrum Master is about improvement and you have continuous coaching. And that truly embraces Kaizen, which is it was near to dear to most of our hearts. And, and you know, I've always kind of criticized Scrum for not going deep enough for Kaizen. They leave it open to interpretation. It's in the Scrum Master's hands. And how, how would you approach that? Well, uh, I think there's a, it's a good and bad thing on a Scrum. So the Scrum is a very simple framework with very few things which are prescribed. And I think it's a, after all, it's a good thing because um, my experience, I've been teaching and suggesting during my agile coaching practice, several practices. Like you have to do it this way because that's the awesome one. And you know, you have to do this, this and that. So, and finally, after like a year or two or three, I found out, well, maybe there is a more simple way. So um, I'm kind of a good with the current uh, embrace of uh, Kaizen in Scrum. I feel it's there. And it's there with the retrospective. That's the very hard thing. If you do the retrospective right, you know, I did a talk about retrospectives at a couple of conferences and it happened to be a very popular talk. It's on YouTube somewhere and people who I never met, they're approaching me and saying, oh, that was great on the retrospective it's because we finally knew how to do it. And it's like um, about how to let the team improve. So some of the teams believe the retrospective is not about improvement. It's not about Kaizen because they don't understand. It's like they feel it like, oh, we complain or we tell each other what we feel about and then do nothing because anyway, we can't do anything about it. So it would be helpful, but I still feel it's there. So it's more about the trainers and coaches and scrum masters to explain that the Kaizen is really what is hidden in the retrospective. And um, so I believe that it's a scrum master responsibility to place it here. And then again, there is one more thing I try to tell the Scrum Masters. It's like, it's not about those meetings. It's not about only retrospective. So if you understand the mindset of Agile and Scrum, which kind of embrace Kaizen in it, it's a one of the core pieces. Unless you get a feedback, unless you improve, you are not Scrum, you are not Agile. So um, unless you really uh, do it all the time, you are not doing a great job as a Scrum Master. So. It's not about retrospective, that improvement. Of course, that's there, and you should do some improvement at the retrospective. It's important, etc. But I believe 
you as a Scrum Master should be focusing on improvement every single minute. Observing your team from a distance, looking at your group, looking at your organization from a distance and say, how can we help them to be better? How can we make them awesome team, awesome group, awesome organization? And if you think about it every minute, like, uh, therefore, we have dedication for the Scrum Master. So they have like one team, preferably maybe two, but not more. So they have a free time. So they have free time to think about how can we improve environment around us? How can we help? And there is another principle which is coming from um, Toyota in Japanese. It's go and see. And I really love that story, which says uh, there was a manager director at the Toyota who told all of his directors, like, you know, guys, just go to that place in front of your team, stand there in that yellow box for two hours, observe your team working in that factory and do nothing, just observe. After two hours, come back to me. And they say, well, you know, after two hours, they always came with like, oh, the team is great. You know, they do a good job. They are perfect, wonderful, and so on. So he said, well, good. Go there again, another two hours. And finally, he said, like, after five times, which means 10 hours, standing there, doing nothing, observing your team, they come up with improvements because they start to see some patterns. So that's exactly what we want from Scrum Masters, but of course from all the Agile leaders in the organization. We want them to observe and search for improvements. So that's kind of how I incorporate the Kaizen in it. So that's really great perspective on the Scrum Masters, Susie, and, and the organization as well and how they interrelate to each other and, and how teams mature and so forth. Now you're you're very involved in the the Czech community and and um, various different groups and organizing events and stuff. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I try. I put myself a goal in about um, fifteen years ago or some uh, ten years ago, and I was like, okay, I'm working for a company who has mostly international customers. So I've got a kind of a unique experience with a Czech regarding to the Czech market. And um, I was like thinking, well, how can I make myself more well-known at the Czech market? Because no one ever hear about our company because we've been purely international oriented. We've been too small to be you know, well-known. So I was like, okay, there is one thing I knew and the other people around me don't. And that's Agile. Because I happened to be accidentally at one huge transformation in the US. I spent there seven months. And I'm still grateful for that experience. And so I started the first Czech language blog about Agile. Simple things. And people likes it. So I continue with it. So I give myself like I publish like 20 articles, one per two weeks or something. And I'll see. People likes it. So I continue with it. Then I got some more people. We build the Agile community. So we have now Agilni Asociace, which is kind of a non-profitable organization. We do regular meetups in Czech Republic, sometimes Slovakia. We do Agile Prague conference, which is every September. We try to make it accessible for the people. I always like search at the conferences where I'm speaking for new speakers, great people to invite them to Prague. So we just give it to community. I wrote uh, <clears throat> a very interesting thing, you know, Czech Republic is so small market. 
So you can easily be the only one who do something. So I realized after like a couple of years writing a blog that there is no Czech language book about Agile. So we did that with one of my colleague and just introduction into Agile and Scrum. It's thousands of them in English, but no one in Czech. So we try to, again, help people who are not that good with English to just, you know, help them to know what is Scrum about and how to start. So I really tried to do something. I've been a co-chair of the Scrum Gathering at Prague, Global Scrum Gathering last year. So that was a great experience for me because that was awesome, huge conference. You know, Agile Prague is like 300, but with the Scrum Gathering, it was much bigger. So um, that's all kind of cool, you know. So what kind of advice could you give to somebody who's maybe looking for ways to get involved and plugged in and, and um, associated with the community? Well, first, uh, search for the local community. There are in every city, I believe. I haven't found a city where there is no communities. Well, the big city, I mean. So there are always some communities around. Come to their meetups. They usually have a meetups. When I'm traveling, I often try to contact local community and have a talk there or just join their community event. So I've been already speaking in Minneapolis, for example, and in New York, um, just because I've been visiting. So you can just come there and say, hello, I'm coming. I have this, this and that experience. So usually those organizers of the community are looking for something like, what do you want to share? So if you have something which you're passionate about, and it's like, it could be anything simple as like, okay, we do the stand up and I would like to talk about how we do that because I believe we have like some good experiences with that. I would say, oh, that's awesome. Please come. So, um, Anything like, you know, want something um, to learn, to get some experience, like be passionate about something and contact the local community. And being involved in the community, uh, most people find it very rewarding. And um, has there been times where you've been like extra found something even extra rewarding they want to share with us uh, was it maybe when you were chairing the scrum gathering like was there something that was just that you'd want to share that was so amazing i think the opportunity to be a co-chair of the scrum gathering was great and you know i was so uh, happy to get that opportunity because it's a global thing so um, there is something on it which is unique from the other perspective um I was very happy to have my uh, first two keynotes, which I got uh, on actually on the same content as a book. I designed a keynote for the local conferences in Minsk and Slovenia. It's like a you know local community plus some people around, like three hundred people again, and it was um, something to be a keynote speaker. So I was so honored that they invited me as a keynote speaker. And I was even more happier when I get the feedback and the people loves it. So um, I felt like, ah, now it's good. Because <laughs> you never know before you try it, you know, if it works well, maybe the people would expect from Keynote something else. So that was my thought before. And when it was done and I saw all the people like, ah, that was good. Thank you very much. So I was like, wow, cool, good, done. And, and having been co-chair of a gathering myself, uh, co-chairs with Daniel, um, now when I come to gatherings, I look at gatherings a little differently. And so this is the first gathering we've had since Prague here in, in Bangalore, or actually, you know, you've also been to Orlando. So in Orlando and Bangalore, um, what have you seen differently as a co-chair and, and maybe want to, you know, share with us? 
I think uh, while you understand the dynamics and the like process behind it, you kind of have to look at it from a different eyes. So um, once I knew the process, I'm like uh, looking at uh, all different things differently. Like for example, a keynote. I knew that how hard it was to find a keynote. When I got to become a coach, I thought like, oh, that's awesome. We have even a budget for the keynotes. I can invite those people who would never ever, you know, I can't allow them, uh, afford them for Agile Prague because we are a very low budget conference. So I was like, finally, I can invite them. And I've got such a nice dreams to invite this guy and that guy and that guy. And then I contact them and find out, oh, I'm too busy already. Um, well, that tiny budget, really? No way. And I was like, okay, well, who would be willing to speak for that tiny budget? It doesn't seem to be tiny, but after all it is. So it's kind of a funny. So um, then you're like, oh, they're really great because they attracted those people. So um, there is something which I like on this particular gathering in Bangalore is uh, the opening to keynotes. So they get somebody who is very famous and very well known at the local Indian community. And it was a bit of kind of, you know, Indian, but it's after all, most of the people here are from India. So um, I think it was a good match. And she's a very inspirational lady. She's really great. So it was good. And then Craig, I personally, I love that keynote, so I would like to have him at Prague. So if he is listening this, this is my invitation for Craig to be a keynote next year at Agile Prague. We'll see if I succeed with it or not. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Free Craig. <laughs> but I, I, know, I know exactly what you're saying. It resonates with me as well, because after, you know, being the chair of Las Vegas and then phoenix with steven um i'm a lot more forgiving for because you know all the things that happen right and so a lot of times when people come to conferences they're like oh it's too cold oh there's not enough coffee oh blah 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 it's like well okay that's that's all the ancillary stuff what about the the content right what about the speaking sessions sometimes they're complaining about the content as well like i've been at this talk and i don't really understand how they could ever accept that person I'm like, well, you know, maybe he just wrote a good abstract. And sometimes, you know, you can't really accept only the people you knew personally. You have to accept some people who seems to be good. And, you know, and also at one talk, which is great for one person, you might love it. You might just say, well, no, I didn't get it. Or I knew it already. Or I just don't know what this guy is speaking about. But uh, so I did uh, for Agile Prague, which is a much smaller event. I did uh, once uh, quite significant research. I've been speaking with almost everybody there and asking him, like, what is your favorite talk and why? And which one you didn't like and why? And I found out that there is no wrong talk. There have been people who are saying, like, it's awesome talk and we love it. And there have been people saying, like, no, that was a waste of our time at the same talk. And it's like, well, the talk was most likely good. Not for you, but good. Susie, we asked all our guests on the show where they think the Agile movement is going next. We, we've seen a lot of evolution since the signing of the Agile Manifesto, where you're in a unique position. You're an international speaker. You run conferences. So you get to talk to a tremendous amount of people, not just in your local community, but the international community. So we would like to hear where you think Agile is going next. 
Yeah, that's a good question. Everybody's asking it, right? So um, I believe it's going more to the simplicity. So simplify things. So Joshua Kurevsky has been a keynote at Agile Israel, which I've just attended. And um, he's been giving a nice example. When I was little, we've got like, uh, when you want to learn how to bike, uh, we've got like those side wheels. It was like everybody was using them. There was the way how to learn how to use a bike, how to run a bike. And um, now no one do that. You know, we have those push bikes without those wheels and it's much better. It's much more simpler and it works. So uh, with Agile practices, it's ex exactly the same thing. We used to have the burn down charts and the story points, etc. And they're nice practices. I still can imagine suggest them for certain environments, but there are some better ways how to do that. And you don't really need them anymore now. So uh, we are moving into the much more simple things. We find out that it's more about uh, understanding the customer and the business value, which seems to be the core of Agile from ages. But still, we try to do those difficult practices like, you know, capacity planning, etc. It's like so awkward, <laughs> but it's still so common. So, so I think simplicity is one. Then another one is like people oriented, really. We really uh, want to do the distributive network thing. So I believe the modern organization is based on the kind of network, which is self-organized somehow. Of course, we have still the managers, the leaders, I would say better. We still have the leaders in the organization that's um, crucial, necessary, because they have to put a vision in certain boundaries. That's where we want to go with our organization. That's our goal. But um, they don't really tell the people the network below them how. The network itself is self-organized so they can create a teams on the problem, solve them and disappear. And again, create another team, solve the problem and maybe stay forever because the problem needs to be taken care of. And those leaders of those teams just emerge from the community. So that's something how I see the future to be more network oriented, like Niels Flank is describing something similar. And I think Joshua with the new Agile Manifesto is uh, describing something similar. So people-oriented, network, and um, the simplicity. So that's a really great perspective, Susie. So also, what does the future hold for, for you in the next um, year or so, over the next year? So the future for me is... Um, to become uh, more uh, accepted for uh, the international events, not even within the Europe, which is uh, usually, you know, most of my speaking was done over the Europe, but I would like to do more in the US now. And the reason, one of the reasons is that my book, which I just give them as a present at the beginning, the Great Scrum Master book, it's going to be published with Pearson. So that's a big thing for me, really, to get a contract from that well-known publisher house. It's like so awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. And so, um, by the way, that's the last chance to give it in get it in colors because they said, well, the colors are expensive. So um, if you want to have a colorful book, well, you know, oh, they're now start fighting about the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, ask me, because I have still a few copies, but we have to, you know, close that show down in, a, I don't know, two, three months. 
and the new book is coming out. So that's really something for me. So I would like to speak more at the more international audiences to just, um, you know, talk about this book. I have like several talks about it. One is called The Great Scrum Master. It's pretty much about the book. Another one is Agile Communication. It's again a little bit about the book, but from a completely different perspective. I've been giving this talk at uh, Big Apple Scrum Day in Monday, uh, in May, sorry, in New York. And uh, the third one is called Organization 3.0 or sometimes Agile Organization. So I am, was not sure about the title yet. So, But it's again a different perspective of the same content or similar content, like how to build an organization, how to communicate or what is the role of a Scrum Master. So you can choose pretty much from those three. Some of them are accessible at the internet as well right now. Well, it was a pleasure speaking with you, Susie. Thank you for taking the time. It was my pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Next week on Agile Next, we have James Gifford, the Scromando. A big Agile Next thank you to our sponsors, Fresco Capital and Applebrook Consulting. Visit Fresco Capital at frescocapital.com and Applebrook Consulting at apple-brook.com. We hope to see you next week on Agile Next. In the meantime, check out our website at agilenext.tv.